Now, as you may have noticed, if you are watching from YouTube, we are currently recording from home instead of the studio. Um, the TLDR to this is basically that on one of the days following my final casts with Cadrill, which was last Friday, um, I saw a friend. The friend was later tested positive for COVID. Now, since then, I have taken a PCR test personally, and it's come back negative. So all around, I'm feeling good. I think that I'm fine. But as a precaution for uh, for myself and for all of my colleagues, we are recording this show, this episode remotely. Hopefully we can do future episodes in studio without any problems, but this episode we will be doing from home. So thank you for bearing with us. Hello and welcome to Euphoria. This is episode three of our MSI coverage coming out of the Rumble stage, stage two of the tournament. Uh, we're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. And today we're going to talk a lot about how the West performed in the Rumble stage, focusing on Mad Lions, their run so far, some expectations, looking forward for bracket stage. But first, Kato, this is the big one. We're going to kick off with an interview from the one and only Perks. Now, before we get into this interview, I got to know, what are, you, what are you expecting Cloud9's mental state to be? following this um kind of disastrous group stage are you expecting a positive happy perks a sad perks like what do you what do you dash did this interview for us i want to know what your read on perks is coming out of this tournament oh it's a good question um i don't actually know because sometimes we've seen perks be really emotional i recall a world where he was obviously crying when they were knocked out um and then there's there's i don't know this tournament perks feels different i feel like he's uh he doesn't mind too much that they've lost, as far as I'm aware, because I feel like they had a decent showing regardless of their win rate, because I don't think their scoreline actually reflected um, their success in a way. Um, so I don't think he'd be too bothered, obviously disappointed, but I wouldn't expect him to be as emotional as he was at that Worlds once upon a time. Well, we're going to find out. Let's toss it over to Dash. Let's see what Perks had to say after Cloud9's uh, dropping out in the Rumble stage, their run across all of MSI, the first two stages. Let's see. Let's see what's on his mind. Perks, obviously the end uh, of a tough week and road here at MSI. Ended it on a slightly high note, taking a win over Mad Lions. But three and seven, the road ends here. Uh, right off the bat, man, I just want to ask you in the immediacy of our final day, you know, how are you reflecting? You yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know, how do you feel? But no, how do you know? Less so how oh, you feel fine. as somebody who has hey, been to a number of these uh, international competitions. Uh, I'm sure you've had to go through this thought process, you yeah. know, many, many times. So... So what do you take away from this event? Um, I mean, like, usually it's easier to think about it once you had some time to relax and then actually reflect, right? Like, I think, uh, like, you're very emotional when, like, right after an incident happens, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, which, this is kind of it. Like, I mean, it's like, we did play against the current best in the world, kind of, right? Um, but it definitely shows that we were just like not slightly good enough we were like pretty close but we were like not bad you know like we did beat china europe and korea in all one tournament um so it's not like it's not like we just went into games and just like got absolutely shit stone by everybody yeah i think that's like the bright side about it i mean obviously losing in groups like really sucks I, I can't really like describe the feeling but it's like it's not really like the the like it's on depression or something. You know, it's not the end of the world because right. uh, world is all that matters. So if we can, uh, if we can make it like the world, hopefully I'm not gonna say because Colin didn't make it last year. You know, <laughs> that's <laughs> that, true. Then I, I would I would hope for the better uh, yeah. results. Well, I think because it's interesting. I think this this event more than any other, at least from the outside looking in, it feels. It feels difficult to exactly pinpoint how anyone should feel about uh, North America's performance because, as you mentioned, a number of those games were incredibly close. We saw some winning positions for Cloud9 that if the game did go that way, you very much would be moving on uh, to the Rumble stage. And so when, you know, whether or not that reflection has happened yet, but when you do go back and start to look at what went wrong, you know, how, how do you kind of parse through what means, you know, what What says you need to make a change and what can be chalked up to, look, we, we missed the skill shot or, you know, it was one single, you know, play that fell through, but the, you know, the ideal was there. Uh, I mean, I think honestly, it's like not, it's not like that. I, I think we're not even like, like honestly, we are not, not even bad mechanically or something. Right. I think we are out fighting these teams and we can play stuff. I just think like we, we just like lose our head on like just the most random things like and that I think that comes from like 
maybe we are choking, maybe not, right? I don't know. But mm -hmm. like, I just think it comes from not being on exactly the same page in, and us getting challenged more in laning phase compared to NA probably made us play worse as a whole because we were like a bit more maybe confused. I mean, I don't know, like I'm trying to think about it. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that a lot of things come, does come from practice. Uh, I think in practice, I realized our flaws. Um, I realized what I can improve to make myself better at this team and make me better for the rest of the team as well. Yeah. Um, and that's just helpful to me. And there is like more things I'm going to probably realize in a few more days. Um, but as of right now, I definitely think like some of our, um, how do I say, is it mis misperceptions or something before the tournament. Gotcha. Yeah, we're like slightly wrong. Okay. And that made us um, like kind of lose our head as well. Uh, we, we, have, we have like a, I think we have a, like a habit to have a strong opinion about something. And then we have a really strong opinion about something why you know you know but it's like not literally like it's not like oh i don't know if this is like very good but let's try it or something it's more like oh this sucks or this is really bad right now right so we're not let's not play it and then uh i think it happened like for every role almost so uh i think that uh yeah maybe just having a bit more open-minded i think that's something that nas in general lacked in the previous years as well okay and Honestly, that's probably the best, the best reflections I have. No, I mean, that's great, right? And I think that is ultimately what, you know, we're, you know, I'm most curious about is, you know, what you take away from it. But also, too, the fact that you have uh, been to international events as a representative of multiple regions. And so you, you, you've already touched on it a little bit, but there are obviously regional differences with the way that, you know, people approach. And unfortunately, this time around, you're on the side of the North American tradition where, where we go out. But um, do you feel like you are now equipped with some of the knowledge to maybe help catalyze that change re regionally and that if we do look towards worlds not assuming you know yeah. uh, that any any one specific team is going to get there but that you can help you know domestically and regionally now throughout summer the entire league level up so that you can be more competitive the next time on the international stage i mean we've, we've done it before in europe like g2 in 2016 and then 2017 as well right or like 2016 we sucked right and then 2017 leveled up and then it was like a g2 fanatic rivalry that leveled up the region i would say and i think I really think in NA we have something similar with Team Liquid going okay. on. I think Team Liquid is personally a pretty good team. I think they would give us good practice um, in scrims and on stage, right? Uh, so I definitely think they are very strong. And uh, like I have like like I have hopes for NA in that regard. I don't think it's like that far off um, as to like maybe it felt like in the past, like mm -hmm. like personally. Uh, but I could also be like biased because I'm here right now, right? Um, True. But so you, like, again, you have unique perspective. Yeah. You're one of few players who has been on both yeah. sides of that rivalry and can can speak as a player of both regions. Yeah, so it's, it's definitely like, there's definitely some things <laughs> that we have to work on. Yeah. But as a whole region, uh, for example, adapting games, I think that's something I noticed. I think NA in general, like, ourselves and the rest of the teams are like, pretty bad at playing on the spot. Like you get put in the situation and okay. you make the right move, you know, be decisive, make fast. I think that's something that EU is really good at. Um, but we did actually kind of like beat Medlions doing exactly that today. Like right. we were kind of put on a spot and we were making, like I was making bad decisions, for example, in this game. And uh, we could have just let like Fudge carry it really easily, but I made it a bit harder, you know? So it's like us as a whole, me and the whole team realizing what is our winning condition in the game. Uh, is something that will for sure help us going forward. Well, I mean, again, as a player who's made it all the way to the World Finals, there's MSI Finals and MSI Champion as well. I think there's nobody more equipped than you uh, between the two regions to kind of lead that charge and identify what needs to change. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the other players on your team, though. You mentioned Fudge. Uh, and uh, it has been a major storyline all throughout LCS spring, you know, from lock-in to now criticism thrown his way for underperformance in the lock-in stage. But by many's uh, account, he really stepped up in this tournament. I'm just curious, as a, as a veteran yourself, how you look at a younger player like that and his growth that he's made over the split so far, knowing that we're only halfway through and there's plenty to be done. Yeah, I mean, I think Fudge is honestly like super talented player. And like he's, from what I've seen of all the OC players, he's the best OC player I've ever seen. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's like basically says as like a lot right you know he's really talented and uh, I really admire his like um, how is it called At attitude towards like towards screams and towards the game mm -hmm. um, 
he's really chill to hang out with as well. And in general, like I didn't have any expectations about him because I didn't know anything about him, right? Going into NA, but he's definitely mm -hmm. surpassed my no expectations that I had. Right. He surpassed them, you know well, what I mean? Fair enough. Uh, so, and obviously like he's shown that this tournament he can uh, match anybody, he can beat anybody. And I think that he's also now gained a lot more confidence um, because of his really good play on carries. I think uh, the meta like shifted a little bit from the spring. We were like playing in the finals, we were playing a lot of like tanks. Mm -hmm. And because it was like tank, jungle, tank, then mage, mid, and AD carry bot. But then meta jungle changed a bit. And usually jungle is really broken. So when jungle, jungle meta changes, like everything around changes a little bit, like it just right. shifts around, or shifts, let's say, let's say it shifts around the most, the strongest role in the game. Which is the role that is getting picked or banned? Like for example, in That's season right. eight, it was like Akali, Aurelia, LeBlanc were really, really broken, and so you had to play the champions that are like good against them. Like for example, right? But right now it's like jungle is like really balanced for like very long time already. Mm -hmm. So you have to like have champions that are good with them and against them. That's an incredible and yeah. very interesting draft perspective. Uh, just real quickly before I let you go, uh, I'm curious as you look forward on the rest of the tournament, your opinions just on the remaining teams uh, as you face them all. I want to get the player perspective of who you would consider the favorite now here at MSI. Um, I mean, RNG looked like really strong at the beginning mm -hmm. of the tournament and Damon looked shaky, but I think as to going forward, I do think Damon looks the strongest now. Cool. And RNG looks a bit more shaky. Um, so I definitely think RNG has fallen off a little bit. Um, I think Matt has better chance than people think to upset uh, RNG or Damon in best of five. Cool. And <laughs> I think that PSG is better than what I, obviously they beat us twice. Better than better what most expected. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. They beat other teams as well. Um, but I think they have the lowest chance to win. Mm. Um, and yeah, so I would, I think Damon is- Slight probably, edge to Damon. I think Damon is probably gonna win the tournament, yeah. All right, sounds good. Well, yeah. Perks, uh, I don't wanna take any more, time, any more of your time, rather. Uh, I know these interviews are never easy, so thank you so much for, for <laughs> yeah. being willing. And uh, from here, we're tossing it back to Dracos and Cajal. Cool, see ya guys. Thank you so much, um, Dash and Perks. Kind of an interesting look back on Cloud9. Cloud9 was one of the weirdest stories, one of my favorite stories in this tournament mm -hmm. because it was such um such a kind of a mess, to be honest. Like there were such high highs and such low lows across the entire tournament. And like it's good to hear Luca still optimistic because frankly, he's the man that needs to carry the torch if there's gonna be an EUNA rivalry because I think is rightfully pointed out by a lot of people it's like okay but like how how long is EU gonna punch down and we're still gonna call this a rivalry but I think that there were some moments there from Cloud9 obviously the final game beating Mad also where it's like yes NA can maybe rise up and be EU's rival one more time yeah he's like Captain America now he's carrying the torch against Europe <laughs> He's going to be the one to finally take us down when he levels up, as he said. No, but I think that was a really, really good interview. Um, so many cool things he talked about, even the in-game stuff, um, talking about how they actually managed to take down Dam on RNG and uh, and Mad Lions. They lost to PSG both times, um, but they, they just showed in this tournament alone that uh, round one, round two, that they can, they can tussle with the top teams. I think they just lacked a lot of consistency, obviously. Like one game you beat RNG, the next game you lose to Pentanet, right? So... Their consistency wasn't there. Um, and I think the other interesting thing for me about that interview was um, the lack of open-mindedness he talked about, saying that if they think something's weak, like let's say a champion's weak or or it's strong, as soon as they've drafted their opinion on that champion, that's it. It's set in stone. This champ's useless or this champ's OP. There's no middle ground of, okay, maybe. And I think that um, he sounds like he's learned a lot from this tournament, things that he can help implement not only to uh, C9, but to NA themselves, especially when he talked about the rivalry with TL and how he can use that similar to G2 Fnatic to level up the region. Yeah, I think it's especially on the, the subject of like kind of very strong opinions on champions. I think that was something that in my experience, I mean, especially G2 2016, 2017 was always my read. Because like when, when I was ever, I was prepping for big international games, I was always talking, you know, to these kind of these players, the Perks, the Spence, the Mythies, and asking questions about meta. And it, they're always guys who have like had very clear opinions. And for the most part, historically, I think they were right. So the fact that they're trying now or willing now to get out of that shell um i think is really big and that's like that's a that's a big shift and that's a big 
big potential gain for the team because it while it's kind of surprises me that they're locked into that into that mindset into that like really strong opinion mindset i think that willingness to adapt is something that we've seen a lot the willingness to be creative something we saw a lot from like 2019 g2 and their success and i'm I'm hoping that we get to see more of that from cloud nine because i think that yeah you could see in like their first games it was kind of the kind of the death sentence of being of reading the meta wrong right of like not knowing what you need to pick like uh the first game especially that was like the varus priority like i assume that they mm-hmm. just played scrims and like every time they got varus the game was unplayable right whereas like everyone else and everything else that we've seen across this tournament has actually been like well kaisa nautilus otherwise jungle early jungle prio right like those are really the only mm-hmm. times you're like really prioring a bot lane so you can see kind of exactly what he's talking about in some of c9's early drafts and that they clearly had an idea of what was super super op and kind of had to be forced out of that idea the first kindred games from blabber even um, yeah it's rough i think i think yeah you saw it as a tournament progress right it went from like kindreds to more early game focused junglers for blabber top lane went from tanks to more carries um you saw bot lane they had senna tamkench prior and then they dropped it and then all of a sudden they had kaisa nautilus prior similar to rng which bit them in the ass because then they let senna tam go open against pentanet um so yeah they were kind of mix and matching throughout the whole tournament um, and I think the best thing that you can take away from this, especially from what I, I know as a player, uh, back in my times when I had a coach who was from NA, his, uh, his biggest thing about NA that he told me, this, this coach, I think it was David Lim, he said that NA scrim culture is just odd because um, no one really wants to speak up. There's a lot of egos um, and there's never really discussions on how to improve. I think this, this scrim culture is a big reason as to why NA has always been a kind of a step behind the EU just because of the improvement curve. Um, and I think that Perk's already saying like, yeah, we need more open-mindedness. We just need to be more willing to just go for things. It's already a step in that similar direction where people will just, um, yeah, just open up more, uh, whether they want to argue and let things out, just let it out. Don't let things build up um, and don't just kind of beat around the bush uh, on these things. So I think being more straight up with each other is a really good thing. Um, and I think C9, if they make it to Worlds, will do well, honestly. I mean, they already saw that they can tussle with that. The, this is this is the tier one teams of each region, right? This is the number one team. Um, like damn one miles ahead of all the LCK teams, you'd argue. Yeah. RNG, yes, was debatably uh, alongside FPX uh, as one of the top teams. Even teams like EDG were tussling with them. Um, but yeah, they're tussling with the, the best teams in each region. So that's already a good thing to take back. And I think that if they got absolutely smashed, then I'm sure they'd be a lot more, uh, a lot more disappointed. But I can see why they're not so much disappointed. Yeah, I mean, when you're able to take games off of all of the big regions, I think that like ultimately... It's not too much. And it's crazy to think back when we when we did our first episode, we were talking a lot about um, early interviews with Cloud9 would be like, wow, we're we're happy if we get a single game off day one. Like those were the first interviews coming out of finals. We're like, we're going to be happy if we're going to get a single game off day one. We're like, a single game off day one. So it works out. And of course, those expectations changed and they grew over the course of the tournament. I'm sure they went up and down. But it's like, it's weird to look back even to pre this tournament, what their expectations were versus what the results they achieved, which I would say is more maybe than they initially expected, even if it was still ultimately disappointing. And while this is, of course, the Euphoria podcast, I, I always like to, especially internationally, check in on perks, check in on players like Sven, see how they're doing. But lastly, one player who's not who's not an EU player, but I think does deserve some recognition is Fudge. You heard it already. Dash brought it up in the interview. But this man, mm-hmm. the single biggest level up I think we've seen in a single in a single tournament in a very very long time like the this guy at the start of the tournament compared to where he was playing towards the end of the tournament obviously ends in very flashy fashion in a meaningless game on aurelia but it's still cool but more importantly like the lease in performances how he looked in week one or, or the first half rather of the initial group stage compared to the second stage which is the rumble stage um is is crazy to me how much better this guy got how how quickly this guy got just like insanely good yeah, and he was pivotal in their wins against the top teams, right? Um, the Leeson stands out the most against both Damwon and RNG, right? You can pick Leeson and carry both games against the top teams in those regions with that champion, which requires so much. It like, has such a high skill ceiling that you can pull it off. was just great to see. And I will admit, he didn't even get that much jungle attention, barring like a level 3 to 5 gank that he had normally from uh, Blabber's Udir on those games especially. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like Blabber played topside that much, especially in the first round of the Rumble, because Harold was always used top on the enemy team. Fudge was playing carries on weak side like Jace, and his tower was being taken. He was getting 1v2 Dove. Even when he plays Malphite, he's weak side. So I feel kind of bad that he didn't get as much attention as maybe he deserved because I think he was a, a standout performer alongside their bot lane. And I think that the biggest thing is uh, what Perk said about Fudge was the confidence, right? Uh, he got so much more confidence on carries 
which is going to be great in his growth. Right, I think that the start of the year he was getting a bit dunked on by players like Alfari. And then you could see the growth in the finals where it wasn't too much of a one-sided matchup. But now that he's come to MSI, beaten top teams on carries, gotten confidence, he can go back in summer and just kind of, you know, not really have any fears or regrets, which is always great when a player can kind of drop those, um, drop the emotional side of things, whether they're scared or anxious or lack confidence, and then just take the chains off and just do what they can do best. Hell yeah. I'm ready for this matchup. I'm ready for the Alfari versus Fudge matchup where it's, you know, 1v1 first bloods every game instead of just Alfari overextending and dying <laughs> for every single game. You know, like that's that's <laughs> that's the top lane matchup in NA that I'm actually really excited for. Um, that said, to yeah. end it out, Cato, how do you feel as an EU player watching Cloud9 like bomb out in groups like this, you know, mixed performances? Are you more or less likely as an EU player, from your perspective as an EU player, to go to North America watching this? Because it's important for me to know. Because, like, if this is an, if this inspires players to leave, I'm going to be a sad boy. I want to I hold... I'm holding on as tight as I can. As much as I'm sure, you know, Jack and Steve are ready to throw millions to get more players as more and more residencies come through. Like, I'm fingers crossed that we're holding on to the best of the best. So, are, do I need to be sweating? Should I be worried? Like, based on this, are our EU players going to be, like, scrambling to leave? Uh... Definitely not, I would say. Um, I don't think, I'll be honest, I don't think that EU players go to NA for international performance, to be honest. Uh, I don't think they go to NA for performance too much unless they want to win the NLCS, which is absolutely fine. Uh, we all know why they go to NA. It's the, it's the paycheck gap. Um, and I think that obviously the difference in the amount of money you can make. I think I remember Upset, there was like a Reddit thread on, on Upset. I think it was a clip he said on his Twitch stream where he was like, well, if NA teams are paying three times, four times the salary this year, next year, or the year after, then it would just be stupid as a human being not to go for it in the first place. Um, so yeah, I mean, the competition getting better is always a plus. Um, but I think that, for example, if C9 were to make it out of groups and maybe even take a game or two of, um, let's say, Damon RNG in a semi, I don't think that would inspire EU players to want to go to NA more than uh, stay in Europe. Uh, I just think that uh, it's always a paycheck gap when it comes to those kind of things. Dang. Well, they're keeping the gap as big as they can. That's that's all I'll say. They're working hard on the on the on the gap there. Good on Luca, making fat stacks over in NA. Hopefully, all all the boys are Elfari, etc. <laughs> um, yeah, I think for Cloud Nine, obviously, like at the end of the day, hope that they can learn, hope that they can come back. Hope that eventually they can help rekindle the EU NA rivalry because uh, it's a little, it's been a, it's been a little one sided, I think. Um, but here's my question to you, Cadrill. Looking at the Rumble stage holistically now, do you think C9's performance was the biggest surprise in Rumble stage? Like, was C9 what caught you off guard the most? The the wild inconsistency, or was there something else that kind of stood out to you? Um, I think there was a couple things that stood out. Um. There was a lot of expectations I had coming into the start of the tournament even, right? I thought Damwon probably won't drop a game. Uh, it was a lot of question marks around RNG. Can they be as good as Damwon? The start of the tournament, like Perk said, RNG looks pretty good and Damwon looked shaky. Now it's kind of reversing where Damwon's just... I don't know if they're just taking the game more seriously or they were just a little bit shaky when they started. Uh, but now they look a lot more consistent than RNG. Still quite close between the two, but I think Damwon is slightly, uh, slightly favored, like Perk said. PSG came in out of nowhere. Stomped uh, most, uh, most teams... Uh, took games off the top teams, took down Mad Lions as well. Um, handily took down Cloud9. That was a kind of a big surprise to me. Uh, Cloud9 beating the top t- all, all the top teams was a surprise to me. And then losing to Pentanet, which is also a big surprise. Like, how is first of all, how did Pentanet <laughs> even get there? So props to the, uh, the LCO absolute legends. And then second of all, how are they losing to Pentanet after beating RNG the same day? There's so many surprises. And then um, as an EU fan, I would say, and the last surprise was Mad Lions. Um, I think Vedius put it in a in a very good context. Like, well, are Mad Lions overperforming or are they underperforming? I think that most people, realistically, coming into this tournament with Mad Lions as a representative of EU, said that making top four would be an achievement. Well, not an achievement. It'll be that would be appreciated for Mad Lions. They've made top mm-hmm. four. I don't feel great about that. I think if they make a finals, I'll feel absolutely fantastic that this brand new team can just go from bombing out to planes and worlds to making MSI finals. That would be the hell, the best thing ever. They've got to beat them one to do it. So uh, yeah, I'm not sure about that one. Um, but yeah, um, I think they've done they've done pretty good so far. I think even if they don't make it to finals, taking a game or two off that one would always be a good thing. Yeah, and I was I was definitely sweating more for Mad coming into this based on the the bomb out and play ins last year, and I'll say that I've been pleasantly surprised. And I think that again, they're mm-hmm. also a team that's been growing even just immensely over the course of the tournament, and that's a real pleasure to see because I think it'll help push everything in the region to level up. I don't think it'll be quite as um, 
you won't notice it as much as you did like when when g2 was really succeeding and it felt like it pushed you know when we were getting three teams out of groups when we were really it felt like all of europe was really pushing forward and kind of contesting for top two which was crazy now to even think about that we that we put ourselves or that at least i was putting eu so confidently over the lck um based on you know g2 smashing <laughs> skd in a couple best of fives which mm-hmm. was 2019 was a good year i won't lie it was a it was a good time to be an eu fan uh but i think one of the interesting things that we kind of we got some rumors on on the ground about damwon apparently the big thing about damwon is that like they have been going hard i don't know when they started going hard but like for context we've heard that they've been going 12 hours a day like scrimming nonstop practicing i know they um refused anything but the bare minimum of interviews to focus on on gameplay is what i have heard um and I think we wanted a day one interview and couldn't get one because they were like, not nah, practice, 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 focus, practice, practice, practice. So wherever, whatever, because we saw inconsistency from day one and play or in not plans, but in round one groups. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering if since then, day one have just been like hardcore sweating it out, like absolutely like we were, we're not, we're not messing up again because um, yeah, hearing that they're practicing. And again, this is, this is rumors, this is speculation. Uh, are not speculation but it's a rumor um that they're practicing 12 hours a day maybe that's a bit hyperbolic maybe it's more but even practicing like hardcore grinding scrims in the middle of a tournament is an insane commitment um very 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 um strenuous on the players i have to imagine but the kind of thing that makes me sweat even more for mad coming into this uh, best of five man that sounds so tiring doing that many hours of scrims all day every day non-stop no breaks even armut was saying i think an interview somewhere so that is like i remember when he was in euphoria i said that uh, he he was a bit tired already humanoid was saying that the the whole msi format is so tiring as well i don't know how many best of ones it was in round two round three around 70 75 best of ones something like that in total so it's a bit non-stop on top of that you have scrims on top of that, you're in a new country for most, uh, for a new continent for most teams as well. Um, but I think that it, it makes sense. But I also think the real winner here is Europe, um, regardless of how well Mad Lions do. Because I think that if you look at... Now, I don't want to go off topic here and talk about the LEC summer split and all that stuff. Yeah, but yeah. for example, I know that G2 has been scrimming the MSI teams. And uh, Wunder said for that sure. they've, been, they've been winning, right? They, they said that they've been doing pretty well against some of the teams that he named. Um, on the podcast, uh, MSI, uh, another one. Uh, he was saying that he did pretty well. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and then uh, you, you have them boot camping right now for summer split that's coming up you have Vitality doing all these crazy roster changes Fnatic doing all those change, changes to Whipple and all that stuff so I think Europe's actually leveling up a lot as well um, and they have a lot of good teams that could go to Worlds because for example uh, in NA you have TL and C9 who look like the top dogs TSM a little bit behind but then when it comes to Europe, with Mad Lions being at the top, Rogue almost beating them in the best of five. Now G2 is bootcamping before MSI. You've got Vitality with these crazy roster swaps, which could go anyway with self-made. Then you've got Whippo in the jungle with Fnatic. Like, there's a lot of things to be excited about for Europe, so I think. Yeah, I know. I completely agree. And I think that's something that we can definitely talk about, too, as we get closer to summer, is that like us or Europe essentially hosting a hosting an international tournament is always super, super good for our mm-hmm. region i think in terms of leveling up as a whole i think it's harder during worlds um, because there's just so many teams international teams there already that it's probably harder for european teams to find scrims but msi there's so few top level attendees and so few scrim partners that's like and you're more more likely than not over the course of you know you're, you're playing essentially you're playing 10 games over five days right you're doing two games two games two games two games in a row so you can't reliably like if you scrim anyone it's not like you're going to there's not enough of a cooldown timer between when you scrim them and when you play them to to expect like it not to be a disadvantage to your stage performance, right? Like whatever you practice against them, they will be ready for, you know, and that's kind of the gamble you have about scrimming these other MSI teams. So it, it does open the door for all of these European teams. And I don't know entirely who who these teams have been scrimming, you know, who they've been going up. We know G2 has been scrimming. I don't know if any other European teams have been scrimming. I, I've heard know. loads of random things like, for example, Vitality Academy was scrimming Pentanet, you know um lots of uh eu masters or academy teams have been screaming uh teams like Pentanet, I, uh, lots of teams <laughs> in the first stage of the round robin as well i'm happy for vitality academy but i don't think that one yeah no <laughs> so, it's not a big deal right <laughs> but the fact is that they're screaming all these like eu masters slash academy teams which is always cool because it's like helps them out a little bit maybe they can learn something maybe uh maybe the some of the um uh, the wild card or minor regions got smashed by the academy teams you'd, you'd hope maybe and then they just shows you know, even better for Europe but I don't know how they went uh, but yeah I think round one was a lot more scrim partners right so 
I mean, yeah, we got MSI, or we got, you know, Dan Wan at G2 potentially scrimming. We got Vitality Academy and Pentanet scrimming. Europe's leveling <laughs> up, you know? Europe, Europe's it's like, like It's like, dude, you know, it's like, it's like Dragon Ball, where it's like Goku and Vegeta are fighting. But then, mm-hmm. for example, like, in the Cell Saga, like, Krillin takes out this, the baby self and stuff, you know? Everyone's fighting, so everyone's getting better. It doesn't matter yeah, which yeah, level, yeah. you know? Yeah, when Krillin fights the Sabermen or whatever in like the first yeah. arc, you know, you know, you know, not yeah, everybody gets to fight Raditz or whatever. Some people just have to yeah. fight the Sabermen, you know. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, is Pentanet the Sabermen? I don't um, want to do that to Pentanet. I don't want to do that to Vitality Academy either. We'll just we'll just leave the metaphor at that. I feel like no one wants to be a, a little Saberman. No, 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 we're not naming names. It's just like it's a metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's a. Me- we're we're not going to put the pieces together for anyone. You guys can figure it out for yourself. Um. Yeah. yeah. Overall, I think the big thing that we now have to to look forward to is of course the bracket stage and the and the best of fives that are coming up now before we do this we do have another interview um with el yoya another one that i'm really curious Ooh. to see kind of what what el yoya has to say kind of looking back and also looking forward because i remain i think cautiously optimistic about match chances but i think when you're going up against dan Juan, you are always the underdog so i'm 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 ready to hear his perspective on this upcoming best of five oh yeah Moving on to the knockout stage, my friend. My first opportunity to talk to you, actually, yeah, uh, at this event. So, Juan, it's a pleasure to meet you, and thank you for taking the time. But uh, immediately, rookie season, already on the international stage and moving into the semifinals. How does that feel? I mean, it feels great, yeah, but... Uh, could feel better if I was playing at my best, so I still have like that feeling of, like, I could do better. Okay, well, then I want to talk about that. Well, what do you what do you feel about your play as an up to par? Do you feel, let's compare it to just domestically in the way you were playing throughout the split. You think you're playing worse than you were regionally? No, I don't think I'm playing worse, but I think uh, these, for example, these MSA games, like yesterday and two days ago, I was playing fine, but I was never impacting the map or like making the difference, which I think is the most important for me. Like, I really want to at least like make the difference in pretty much every game I can. Mm-hmm. So... I feel like I wasn't doing it. That's my like my concern I had. Gotcha. Well, I mean, hey, that's an incredible mindset to have to always be looking for ways to impact the map some more. Uh, but with that, I think it's also something we got to consider is that your competition here on the international stage is completely different as well. You're playing against the likes of of Canyon. You're playing against the likes of Way, who are not just probably individually some of the top tier talent in the world, but the teams around them are incredible and they bring in different play styles from different regions. Um, I do know that uh, previously on this podcast, you actually had mentioned that you're excited to play against Canyon. Uh, because you felt like he was ahead of the West when it came to jungling. Now that you've had that chance, uh, what what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I still think that uh, he's the best jungler right now, but I've got to say, I was expecting a bit more from Damon and him in particular. Mm-hmm. I think they uh, not underperformed, but I think this is not the Damon I was expecting to, to see in an international event. Uh, I think they are showing weaknesses that we can for sure exploit and like they are... They have some games that are pretty shaky, which I think I didn't think they would have. Mm-hmm. So I'm still so excited, but like right now, I, I I know that it's for sure like we can for sure beat them in a BO5. Well, I just spoke to Perks and he said the same thing. He does believe that Mad Lions has what it takes to take down either RNG or Dom one in a best of five. Uh, but I'm also curious then, uh, again, because uh, you are at your first international uh, competition. You know, there is this very large perception that uh, Korean teams, Chinese teams are just ahead of the entire Western Hemisphere. Do you feel like that perception, um, as somebody who's now played into it, is as stronger than it actually is, you know, in reality? I mean, I think it's stronger of what it really is, but there is for sure, like, I would say that, for example, China has the big advantage of having like a lot of top teams. Mm. Like I think that since they have so many teams in the league, the fact of having uh, like they, they have like five teams that w- w- would be like insane also in this MSI. So I think that's what uh, makes uh, LPL so good. And about LCG, I think that their players are just like really individually like really good at on Kia roster. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the scary part. But like the gap is not like not so big. Like 
I think that we can for sure take any one of them down. And like maybe next split, we can even like be better than them for sure. So. Awesome. Awesome. Just uh, want to get into some of the specifics of the tournament as well. There's been a lot of conversation around the meta and how it's kind of developed in this tournament. Uh, in some ways, uh, and in your position, most notably, it seems like it's very narrow. Uh, obviously, you have some people reaching for things like the Lilia has come out a few times, but largely it's either Udyr, it's either Morgana or it's Rumble. And while there's that kind of narrow pool in the jungle, we've seen other lanes have just incredible flexibility, looking at mid lane, everything from a Kiana and a Zed to, you know, Rises and, and whatnot. Top lane as well, Armut bringing out uh, the Wukong. So what has kind of been your impression of the way that the meta has evolved over the tournament, both for your role and just kind of in general? I mean, for my role, I would say that it's pretty hard to evolve right now uh, how the jungle is because... Uh, it's all about f uh, fast clear jungles. The moment you don't have a, a jungler that can fast clear, then like you're just gonna get advantage of enemy jungler by pretty much doing nothing by just like be doing PB. That's why I think that uh, pulling out new junglers is really risky mm. in these games because you're gonna feel a lot the, that you're missing tempo and like it's pretty hard to play when you're kind of like when one team has OP jungler, the other doesn't, then it's pretty hard. But on lanes, it's different because it's more about matchups. It's more about the interaction of how like both matchup works. Or maybe one champion is really good into the whole enemy comp and like you can survive blaming phase. Mm -hmm. So I would say that the evolution of the meta, the most <laughs> fascinating thing to me was the Udyr pick uh, that went from pretty much... Uh, <laughs> everyone said it was dead yeah, after all the nerfs. Dead, and then uh, it's first pick ban, uh, maybe one first rotation on that side. <laughs> I know, I was kind of hoping he was dead, if I'm me being too. honest. Okay, you were as well. You I went to the well. tournament and, and coaches were like, Bolivar Udyr, and I'm like, both dead. Both dead. <laughs> Let's go Di Diana, yeah. Rumble, Morgana, fun champs. Has that been, but has that been, okay, so is that kind of like a shock to you that you could come to a tournament? And, and it is something that's a, a phenomenon that gets talked about a lot, that tournament develop their own meta you know like you come in with these preconceived notions but at the end of the day once one thing starts winning one team starts winning with it everybody starts to question their own kind of reality yeah. and so has that been interesting for you just on this stage to kind of feel that for the first time yeah it happened on a screen like everyone was kind of forgetting this pick and then like someone started picking them up then more people were picking them up and like then I mean, I even remember the first day, like, I think in most drafts, uh, it had no prior. And then, like, as the tournament was going on, like, it's now the, uh, the right. devil. It's yeah, I mean, evil. we went from we went from 100% prio on Rumble, you know, either banned the whole time. And then today, multiple times, it just went through went the draft through. completely untouched. And that's just been wild to watch. Um, I want to talk about you uh, a little bit more specifically. Uh, as you mentioned, you didn't you didn't necessarily feel like you were affecting all of the games here so far at the tournament the way that you would want to. As you look towards the knockout stage, we move into best of fives. Totally different animal, but you know who you, you know. You'll find out who you're playing against. You know that you're going to play at least three games, maybe five games against the same guy and the same team. So, how do you kind of plan to prep over these next few days to prepare for that knockout stage? I mean, it's going to be really fun to at least like play, play a VO5 International because it's, it's going to be my first one, so I'm really excited to to play it. And I'm going to let the, 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 the part of preparing drafts and everything to my coaching stuff, so I'm not that involved in that part, even though, I mean, we were... Right, you'll say, please, no, oh dear. No, I'm yeah. kidding. <laughs> no, oh dear, no. <laughs> I wish, I wish. But. I mean, I think it will be... Like, good to see how maybe they, even the, there is like a bit of a BO5 meta mm -hmm. uh, in which some picks uh, rise some priority or some don't. So I'm really excited to see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, uh, you say that and things that come to mind, it's like, you know, MF in the bot lane as a response to Zyra Worlds a few years ago. You know, I'm always curious which best of five is going to be the one for someone to make some kind of a reveal like that. Um, just as a whole for the team. Um, as we as we look forward and we do talk about the potential for you to make it back to uh, you know an MSF, uh, MSI final and defend the title for the region of EU. When I talked to Karzi before the tournament, you know his big thing was not focusing on the specific result, but focusing on the idea that he wanted to prove this team has the potential to be the next best team, you know the best team in Europe, and continue to carry on that title. One. Do you feel like you guys are in the form to do that? Uh, and then two, you know, what are maybe those few things that, you know, as a whole, the team wants to work on between now and then to make sure that you can make that final push? We for sure have the potential to do it. I think that it's mostly on us. Like, I think we show uh, really dominant games like the RNG game, which we showed like a really different uh, face that we were showing uh, previous games. 
So it's really on us to just come on that day and like prove that we are worthy of being here. Mm-hmm. And I think that we need to work um, pretty much on early game. I think it's our biggest mistake also a bit in mid game. Uh, but I would say mostly on, on early game because once we get some leads, I think we are really good at snowballing and like closing out that uh, game. But yeah, I think that those are the things we should work on. Commanding, once you have those leads, just need to make sure you get them every single time. Well, again, Elioy, I don't want to take too much of your time. I want to congratulate you on an incredible Rumble stage so far and the birth into the knockout stage. I'm going to let you go, but I'll wish you the best of luck as well in those best of vibes, all right? Thank you so much. Thank you. Dracos, Cadrill, take it away. Wow. Uh, absolutely fantastic interview from Elioya and Dash. Thank you so much, Dash, for doing that for us on the ground and Elioya for the incredibly insightful answers. Um, Cadrill's absolutely speechless from that one. Uh, I think that when, what that, I have a lot of things about this interview that I really, really, truly love. Um, I, I, there's a lot to talk about here. So first off, our Can't goal back, in this sorry. section is to talk about the bracket, bracket stage. You're, you're good, dude. You got to do what you had to do. Our goal is to talk about the bracket <laughs> stage, but I do need to start off by calling on the interview how much... I'm just an Elioya fan after this interview oh, yeah. because he literally was like, Celtic Canyon is the best in the world. But uh, to be honest, bro, I'm a little disappointed in damn well. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, he sounds like their mom. He's yeah. like, rookie, it's his first international tournament. He's like, I honestly, I wanted to play against Peak Dan Juan and you guys let me down. It's like, how is he a disappointed dad and also like an absolute child on the stage? I, I love it. Yeah, I he was like, love it. He was like, yeah, I, I thought they would be better. Um not that uh, not that impressed. I, I I think we can beat them in the best of five. It's true. It's uh ah, uh, I'm a I'm I'm a big I like his attitude. So I'm I'm one. I'm really excited the fact that he said that they can beat Dan one in a best of five. But Cadrell, I gotta know he's he's confident. He's feeling good about the team. How how are you feeling about Mad Lions in this best of five, my friend? Are you are you on the Mad Lions hype train? Uh, it's so hard to say because I feel like he's right in saying at the end of the interview when he was talking about early game and mid game needs to be fixed a bit. I feel like they've had so many different versions of Mad Lions where it was like randomly their early game was good. Okay. Especially at the start of the round one, right? And then um, then their mid game and, and late game was just really bad and it, they fell off like teams against, against teams like Istanbul Wildcats, their late ga- later games got like really weak. And then you had uh, games uh, in round two where the early game was pretty bad. And then they, they just kind of picked it up in mid-game. And you had uh, the last day of the tournament where they beat RNG. Uh, and then they lost to Cloud9. Now, I don't know how seriously they were taking that Cloud9 game. I'll say they were taking it serious. But still, uh, it was a bit of a crazy game um, that they ended up losing. Um, so I am, I am unsure of how well they'll do in the best of five. But I'm on the train regardless. Whether it crashes, whether it goes 500 miles an hour, whether it gets to the destination, I'm on it. No, I appreciate that. I think you, if you're an EU fan, you have to be on the train. You don't have to believe that the train is going to arrive in the station, I think, for the record. I think it's totally reasonable to like, but you have to be on the train. Oh my God. So you know, I, I, have you ever seen the film Inception? You're, yeah. you're waiting for a train. You don't know when the tra- where the train will take you. Uh, but so, what was it? It was so good in Inception. <laughs> I can't anyway. remember either, dude. Someone, someone can bring up the quote. Uh, yeah. yeah, but like, you got to be on the hype train for the record. You got to cheer yeah. for Mad Lions. Yeah, I, I'm. The thing is, is like, I think if it comes to making your predictions, and we can do our predictions for who's going to make it through, I think I'm still on the side of an RNG Damwon final. Now, if Mad Lions upset Damwon, I do think they can win all of MSI. Like, if they beat Damwon, I think they can win MSI. But mm-hmm. I do still think that that is a really difficult task, especially when we now look at, at Dan one and how they've been performing again we kind of talked about it briefly before the interview they've been getting better very fast because they were shaky and they still have had some shaky games but for the most part since those early games things like think about how much barrel was just griefing it yeah. in, in the first stage like how much this guy got caught and even at the start of the second stage compared to like these last few games right like well I will admit their game against RNG uh, on the final day, it was a bit of a bot gap. I think those like two, two, two That's kills, true. That's complete true. montage down there. So Damon's weakness is still arguably their bot lane in lane. I think their bot lane out of lane is absolutely fine. But then again, if your team's ahead topside and you have Canyon, Showmaker, Khan just kind of winning their lanes or getting natural advantages, then I think playing AD carry is kind of, uh, you know, just plug and play. Um, but he has been performing really well in fights, Ghost. It's just the lane phase is definitely uh, the weak spot, I think. Yeah, and I think that like when you look at, to the surprise of I think very few, show, the Showmaker Canyon duo is what I look at. Like if they're doing well, 
I just expect Dan one Dan one to win because mm-hmm. you're right. I think it is fair to say that like Ghost has certainly had some incredible pop off games. Barrel's had his moments, but Barrel has gotten caught a lot. Khan has gotten top gapped more than a few times this tournament, right? Like he's been a little bit all over the place. And while yeah, recently I felt more confident in the top side. It's been as you said, the final game was mostly a bot side kind of thing. I'm also <laughs> I'm wondering how he's going to fare because when you get top gapped by Fudge and Fudge's first international and tournament, Evie. I'm like and Evie. Jesus, and Evie, I, I forgot about that. I like burned that one out of my mind. That did yeah, happen. That's GP, insane. Yeah. yeah, that was absolutely nutty. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of like, when I look at this matchup in particular, I'm kind of like, I'm really hoping that Armut can do something similar. Now, I think it's tough. I think Armut has been uh, yeah, a bit all over the place this tournament, I'd say. I'd say like he's had some really strong individual performances. He's had some games where mm. he's been quiet, and he's had one or two where he's kind of run it. So to me, I don't think... As much as hearing from El Yoya is really interesting, I al- I also think that like Humanoid and El Yoya, I just kind of expect them to weather the storm. I think this this series to me is probably going to be a lot more about top lane individually and bot lane yep. individually. Because if you're going to get an early game advantage, I it is hard for me to see a world where you get an early game advantage over Showmaker Canyon. Can you get one over Khan? Yeah, that's possible. Can you get one over Dan Wall's bottom lane? Yeah, that's possible. And for Karzi and Kaiser, who have been pretty pretty freaking consistent over the course of this tournament like that is that is where i'm kind of betting that is where i am hoping that we see see a bit of diffy in the lane phase and can and can take at least a couple games off damn one this best of you, five. you say that but i think if i remember correctly the first time damon and matt played against each other i think el yoya actually got a mid game golf and then killed humanoid for first blood but that's basically all they did but yeah, i think you're right i think armut hasn't been adapting well um, I don't know if it's a meta thing, but his Lee Sin doesn't look as good as the majority of Lee Sin's in this tournament. He's still relying on his Wukong. Um, and then he pulls out a Shen, uh, which probably maybe it was working in scrims, but feels like Armut hasn't really grown that much. Uh, his Jace, again, against Cloud9 looked... I mean, let's be honest, he was completely running it uh, in that Jace versus Cloud9 game. He was really sending it. Like, there was no breaks on that in-train. Oh um, my god. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, just to uh, be clear, I but, I agree with you completely, but like I'm still fingers crossed that they weren't taking oh, yeah, the game no. seriously. I don't think yeah. it's true, but that's that's the excuse I'm going to use. That's my copium. You know, it's like oh, but it was the game didn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I'm just being a bit brutally honest here, but yeah, bit of copium there. It didn't matter. Uh, <laughs> Armut, just get him on his lease. Get him on his uh, Wukong or something. I think um, or or his Jace has been fine, but that one game was bad. His Nar and Silas he can rely on, but apart from that. I think it's just uh, the same old Armut. But bot lane is going to be really important, 100%. Um, if Karzi Karzi can get a lead in bot, that's going to be massive. Um, but yeah, Mad Lions have never beaten Damwon yet in the tournament. They're 0-2 against them. They were a little bit competitive in one of the games. Um, but barring that, I mean, I think the good thing we've seen about Mad Lions is you can see their growth, right? Um, their, especially their second game against Pentanet, if I recall correctly, they first rotated Volibear and then they level one mm-hmm. invaded. So they changed two big things up that game that stood out to me, right? They, they changed the fact that they're going to start doing more level ones because El Yoya got absolutely, you know, blasted in a level yeah. one game against PSG and he was out of the game. So level ones, they've woken up, snap, done, great. I think most teams have woken up in level ones. Second one, early game, get El Yoya on early game. Volibear earlier, looks most comfortable, popping off, great. Yes, he's been playing Rumble, but he's also been looking good. Um, so I think Mad Lions got to kick up the ass against PSG and that's really going to help them in the semis. Yeah, I agree as well. I think one thing that's important to note is that because of the way the tournament structure played out, that Mad played Danwakia two days in a row. They played him day three and day four, right in the Rumble stage. So it's, I'm hoping that with more time to adapt, they can show us more. I think it's like, if you get blasted in one game, I don't think it's super likely that you turn it around in the second. Maybe that's unfair. Yeah, that's probably unfair. I think that ultimately, like, I think that we will see Mad level up. I think that Mad have talked very openly about their weaknesses, and I hope for more from them. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I think we can both pretty confidently say that this is still a Damwonkia favored matchup, especially mm-hmm. if we see while Damwonkia have had underperformances, like we've seen when they're playing at their peak, they still get to do Damwonkia things, which is, yeah, they fight you if they have to fight you, but they can also just with very little bloodshed completely and totally choke you out of a game. And that's like, that would be my biggest fear for Mad is when the game just like goes from being this interactive 5v5 to playing against a team who absolutely can and knows how to avoid giving you any opportunity to team fight because like mads get out of jail free card so many times in this tournament so many times domestically was like we'll team fight you you know what yep. i mean like we will build a team that can either team fight better or we will out execute in the team fight because mad team fighting is very very good and i think that when dan Wan Kia are playing peak form and they get an early game lead 
depending obviously draft comes into this it's not just as simple as if they get an early game lead um but we've seen them just dismantle people in this tournament and i think that's like that's the thing that scares me the most is if that if that version of dan can show up consistently yeah and i mean just like you said mad lions relied way too much on their team fighting um now it was a good thing domestically but against teams like damon uh they're gonna pull and pull you around the map there's really no way they're just gonna mess up uh, and just go for straight 5v5 although saying that they have done that a couple of times uh, rng as well kind of falling victim to just 5v5ing when they're 5k up and then getting aced and then all of a sudden the game's more competitive uh notably c9 games um but i think the most important thing for mad lines uh, going into the semis is damon do not look unbeatable rng do not look unbeatable no one is unbeatable everything's up in the air it's all gonna be about prep and all are gonna be about um just execution right um and who shows up on the day because that one could have a bad day mad could have a bad day could be a 3-0 to that one there's a world yeah. where it could be a 3-0 to mad somehow um but yeah it's really hard to say um, but obviously i, I, I want to live it I, I was gonna say i want to live in the 3-0 mad world i don't know what world what alternate reality that is but uh it's like it's remember the remember the worlds last year g2 versus gen g where level one they did yeah. something every game and Genji was like screwed every single game from the level one. Or well, not screwed, but at a disadvantage. I need Mad Lions to do that. I want that too. And I will say, like, one of the things that El Yoyo brought up in general is like best of five meta. Um, and I think that that's another thing that greatly excites me. Uh, Dash brought up the example of like the MF Zyra. But I think in general, this is, this meta is, if we're honest, pretty boring. Um, I don't know what your read is on this, Cadrill. I think that like maybe it's just because we've watched so many chain best of ones over the course of such a short period of time mm. that I find it boring. But I think that like while there are certainly a large number of flashy picks, we see the same champions so 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 much. I mean, um, yeah, and this, I guess this has been. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say I was like I was like, and it feels like I guess because jungle is still feels like the primary center of attention for most of the early game, short of like some really crazy individual lane performances. It just feels like the only place that you really need to watch is like, do lanes have prio? And then what is the jungler doing? And since mm. this is just this, the same three freaking junglers every game and what they do is like build a small lead and then just snowball that lead. Now, it's this is obviously very um, an oversimplification of what's going on. But as, as we've watched, you know, 45, 60 best of ones in the last two weeks, I think I'm, a, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to make that oversimplification. It's just like, I am ready to see you know, a fresh coat of paint on this meta. I'm ready to see some individual adaptations. I'm ready to see more creative lane counterpicks. I'm ready to see less Victor Oriana in the mid lane, more Kiana Lissandra's, if we can yeah. get, you know, like crazy shit like that. I think the meta has been a bit saturated from the best of ones, to be honest, where the games are just a bit resident sleeper because we've seen it a thousand times what's supposed to happen in every single jungle matchup. Um, I think the only exciting things about this meta is Lee Sin. It's really fun to watch um when you have like a lease in rumble sometimes on your team or you have like a, a renekton morgana that's kind of cool to watch i think uh kiana's again the, the bot lanes are really fun to watch as well i think tristana nautilus kaisa leona zaya in there a little bit those are really cool matchups to to keep your eye on even a little bit of Callista here and there because they're all in bot lanes they're not just sitting and scaling with ardents or something uh, but i think you're mm -hmm. right i think um you know give me some more like ellie's give me some more you know uh jarvan jungle or something crazy zinzao but again uh, we're a long way away from that meta and I think that um, I think that what El Yoya said in the interview is correct you you have to pick one of these top tier junglers and just power farm because the second you pick a jungler that's not a PvE jungler that can't power farm you're just it's just way too risky you have to make plays happen and if you don't make plays happen then you're just so far behind and even if you do get a couple plays here and there you're still going to be behind against enemy jungle and from there the game's just yeah. way too hard to play so um, I think there's a I think the meta's been pretty much solved I would say uh, on the the puzzle of the meta has been solved on what's OP. I think given the amount of best of ones, scrims, games that every single team's played at MSI here, um, now it just comes down to can you find a pocket pick or something like this to just counter it randomly, uh, whether it's yep. something or crazy in a solo lane or bot lane. Yeah, or the early invades is the other thing, right? You already brought it up for Matt, True. but like invading Rumble early game, good call, you know, kind of limited in his pathing. We'll see if there's more creative picks that can do that. But you're right. I think this is the thing that's really rough for for junglers and for fans is that like why are you only seeing these three picks it's like well it's like you must be this tall to ride this ride it's kind of like you must clear the jungle this fast to play competitive league of legends and it's just something mm -hmm. that's so valuable and sadly it's it's kind of the same thing that we saw last year at worlds which is why maybe also why i feel this is stagnant is that like 
EU got away domestically with playing the set jungles and the and, you know whatever the ganking junglers you know in our, in our in that last playoffs before beforehand and then when we got to worlds it was this rude awakening of like oh wait if you don't get eight chain ganks off hex flashing from a bush a set jungle you're just absolutely going to get dumpstered by this nidalee and there's literally no playing league of legends anymore which i think yeah. was like the rude awakening and i think we've learned that lesson now and while there was a volibear game you know i think that like the volibear games are even volibear has like a decent clear speed but the, the volibear games are going to be few and far between i think overall I think the uh, the reason we're seeing Volibear is there's two reasons. First reason is either Rumble, Morgana, Band, and Udyr is already first picked. So your only options realistically are Olaf or Volibear at that point. Uh, and second reason is just throw a, um, a curveball into the game. You saw Blabber do it. You've seen an, uh, you've seen most teams do it when they pick Volibear. Just force, 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 force. And somehow maybe you can stop the enemy jungle from power farming because he has to match you on the dives or on the, on the counter ganks, right? So, I mean, Volibear is the only champ that can really do that because his gank setup is absolutely nuts. Um I yeah. think he has the, probably the best gank setup in the game right now. You have like such a long range slow. You have an ult to disable towers. You have a flash running Q that can stun. Like uh, you have so much damage as well. I remember seeing, I don't know who it was against Damwon. Um, the Jace literally getting solo killed by Volibear. Level 10 Jace, level 8 Volibear. Just straight up. Um, I think that was the C9 game. I think it was. Um, I can't remember correctly. Mm -hmm. I can't which one game was, but it was just a Volibear solo killing a Jace. And yeah, I think you're right in saying that level one, so what's going to shake up this meta? Um, I think that champions are going to be hard. We've seen people try Kalista, Kindred mid, Shen top, but none of it's really stuck on the wall. Um, but you're right. You need to be this tall to ride the ride. And I think the, um, a lot of champions don't <laughs> cut the mark. Yeah. Uh, final notes, the other series that we're not going to get into as much today, but I think is worth quick hitting on is, is PSG versus RNG. This is an interesting one. Um, that said, as good as PSG have been, as much as PSG have surprised us, I think this still feels to me very, very um, RNG favored. And I think that looking at it, I expect it to be RNG versus somebody in the finals when it comes down to what's your what's your read on on this series? I think PSG might win, you know. I think PSG might win. I have a different view. I actually think PSG could win. I think RNG are a bit screwed. I think Damon were smart in choosing Mad Lions over uh, PSG. Because if you look at RNG's two games against PSG, the first one, PSG won. The second mm -hmm. one, PSG were winning quite convincingly. And then, then RNG just kind of pulled them around the map with, I think it was a TF. Uh, and then they, they eventually lost. But I think PSG was winning that game and they should have had that game. Um against Damwon as well I think that they were performing decently uh, but yeah the second time they played against Damwon they got a bit smashed that time but they were I think having early leads the first time they played against each other and RNG I think they griefed their draft a bit they were playing like TF Lilia mid jungle into Zoe Rumble which I think is disturbing I remember seeing an interview with Showmaker uh, where he said yeah Zoe is just it's OP it's good in the early mid late and it makes it so I can help my laners a lot and I think that Zoe is going to be a huge pick for all teams uh, coming into uh, the semifinals um, yeah. maybe not so much crying but I think for example Maple Showmaker and, uh, and Humanoid are all going to try to prioritize this Zoe because we haven't seen crying actually play it yet uh, because you get early push you can move the sides really easily you can free up your jungler a lot uh, especially if you're playing things like Jace on the side lane or a volatile bot lane, right? So, or like a snowball top matchup. So I think this champ will be really important. I think Kryon's response to Azoe is TF. So I'm slightly worried for him. I think he has been the weak spot. But uh, yeah, I think RNG, we're struggling against PSG. Uh, I still think RNG will take the series. Um, I think PSG has definitely surprised everyone getting into the top four and finishing third, actually, not fourth. I thought it would be like, uh, after day two of the Rumble, it was going to be damn one uh, RNG and Mad top three. And then C9 and PSG fighting for fourth. But no, we're wrong. Um, it looks like PSG is the third best team in group stage. Uh, and they did take down Mad Lions uh, in, in round yeah. two. So we'll have to see how they do. I think RNG will win. I think it'll be a 3-1 to RNG still. Something like that. But PSG might be competitive. I think the thing, I think it's totally fair to say that PSG are going to be super competitive. Because I think you're right. The context of the games is really important. I guess I was looking more at Mad's ceilings, which I think is probably less immediately relevant than the, than the, the matches they actually played against each other. And I think that context is really important to call out. So... I think good shout. I think the the mid lane, especially for for Showmaker, to me, like I think Way and Way and or uh, Way and River is going to be interesting. But I like it'll be. I'm curious to see like how that matchup develops. I think River has also been a player that surprised me. I think I wasn't as mm -hmm. impressed when I watched his domestic games, but he's like been very consistent across this tournament. But for but for Maple, rather, uh, I I just I I. I can't help but this is part of me that's like Maple's on a tear for revenge. You know, he left LPL. He's back in the PCS, form, you know, formerly the LMS. Like, 
there's a part of me that wants to believe in that underdog storyline. And there's a part of me that's also like, if anyone's going to like pop off on Zoe and carry their team, I believe in Maple. That said, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up Doggo. Doggo versus um, Gala for like five games. If we can get five games, it's got to be like definitely the most hype bot lane matchup you can possibly get. Because while like Matt has certainly had an interesting bot lane, Dan Wankia bot lanes has been kind of boring. And these both of these two bot lanes have been like core to their team's success. Because mm-hmm. yes, Ming has had some games where you've looked at him, he's like, wow, Ming is dying a lot for sure. And some of the RNG losses, that was a problem. But Ming is also like such like such an inc- crazy good playmaker and it's a similar story for kai wing so like bot lane matchup again just feels like it's a this is going to be what if you could just give me a camera on bot lane this is what i would want to watch in this matchup here's my take you want to hear my take yeah i think maple was maple was really good in round one i have to say in round two i think doggo is actually the secret hidden carry here that people should look at more uh, I think against Mad Lions, against RNG, this guy on things like Trusana, Zaya, Kaisa was actually carrying really hard. And although Maple had like a really good Akali game, I think you'll remember against C9 and a really good Zoe game against RNG. I think that I think Doggo was the consistent carry of this team. He's doing more damage, gets more gold, pot and more kills. And although Maple's like this star player we always look at as like this uh, huge international experience veteran, um, I think Doggo is just, I mean, he's, he's just coming out of nowhere as a sub, just murdering people, man. Like massive props to that guy um the dog i think he's yeah th- i think he's playing phenomenal. the doggo story is is crazy dude i mean and even like him and gala we just look at the two games that they played against each other both of them like feast or famine one game doggo you know seven three fourteen on tristana absolutely hard smurfing now maple popped off and zoe in that game um but in the opposite game you've got gala seven one and five you know what i mean so like these these guys someone is someone is getting like taken out and it's but it's going to be explosive. I will admit, I think Gala is the best AD at this tournament. Like that guy's, that guy's absolutely coconuts when I watch his games. His uh, his team fights are practically flawless. His lane face is incredible. I remember watching Damon RNG uh, yesterday when the um, they they hook him with Nautilus level two and they hit great. The second they do this, Gala instantly jumps on their enemy AD carry because he knows Nautilus has no spells, no aftershock, and they get first blood. It w- like Gala in fights as well. This guy, I say, yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Oh my god. So yeah, I think I think the lesson that I've learned had talking through all of these is that like jungle's fine. It's probably where the leads come from. But the lane that we actually want to watch in any matchup in this meta is bot lane. Bot lane is the lane where people kill each other. Bot lane is the lane where shit happens. Bot lane is the lane where, like, I think we're going to see some of these gaps. Maybe we get more Aurelia Jaces, like we saw in FUD versus Arma. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But I think if you are if you are coming into this tournament and you want to know where you need to focus, I, like, I feel like bot lane is all of the banging matchups are in bot lane. Like, honestly, like Ming versus Kaiwen, Gala versus Doggo. We've got, you know, we've got Karzy versus Ghost. We've got Kaiser versus Barrel. Like, every yep. single bot lane matchup is hyped to me. It's so, that... That's, I think, what we'll leave you with. Is like, it's all about bot lane. Final note here from me, Cadrell. Who wins MSI 2021? Who's t- who's taking it? What's your let's? What are your predictions? Give me just give me three quick predictions for each series. They can be casual. Yep. I'm not going to make make you bet anything here because um, obviously we've still got to prep for these series. We just found out that this is happening yesterday. Who these matches okay. are going to be? Um, well, I'm always down for upsets, but I think RNG will beat PSG three one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Damon will beat Madlines 3-0-3-1 uh, and I think that Damon will beat RNG um, 3-0-3-1 as well. I think that it will be uh, a Damon win. Uh, I don't want to set my predictions in stone just yet but when I get asked for them I'll think about it a little bit more but uh, as just a general o- overview I think that's basically what I'm looking at for this MSI. Uh, hmm. Dang. Actually it's hard. RNG might win the finals as well if they get there against Damon. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I think important things to know for me. I'm just going to say I agree with you generally because these are, again, casual predictions. We'll make more formal predictions in the yep. future. Um, I, I think that my read on it right now, not having looked deeper into the games, you know, just as someone who's been who's been watching from home over the last last few days, I would say that, like, what I see right now is that RNG should win. Absolutely. Like that one I'm 100 percent confident in. That's like that one. I'm Yeah, I think it's weird to say that, but I think I am actually really confident. I think you're right. Gala is just Gala is pretty cracked. Way is really good. And not that not to take anything Ming. away from PSG, they've had a great tournament. Ming also, Ming is Ming. Um, despite you know the shaky two games that they played against each other. Um, on the opposite side, I think three o three one is fair, and I think it'll be three o three one for either side. Now I agree with you. I think that Dan Wanda probably got the edge here, 
But that said, I have a lot of faith in Mad and specifically Mad's coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to take anything away from Coma or the anything on the Damwon coaching staff. I just don't know what they do. But I know what Mad does, and Mad comes prepared. If anyone's going to have crazy picks, crazy level ones, crazy stuff prepared, it is the Dude, Mad coaching staff. Can you imagine a world where Mad Lions like go to five games against Damwon? They take them down. 3-2, Damwon, the world champions out. Mad Lions go to the finals. PSG almost beat RNG. RNG sweat for their lives. Backdoor against similar to Cloud9. They managed to close out the series 3-2 against PSG. RNG versus Mad Lions finals. It goes to five games as well. It's the fifth game. Humor and Karzi go for the backdoor or something crazy happens. You know, Mad Lions style, Tam can jolt into the base. And then it's a base race or something. Dude, I'm always down for that. Okay, here's here's the thing. I'll say, mm-hmm. as I think my Roomba's starting up. If, <laughs> hopefully that doesn't get picked up. All right, here's what I'll say. This is the thing. What you fans have to consider here, while it is a bit of a long shot, is that if, if Mad Lions win MSI, this is probably the greatest achievement of EU ever because they will have done it going through and if RNG are in the finals they'll have done it going through both the LCK and the LPL because remember last MSI we did win it is fantastic but we look back at that finals and it's like everyone wonders would we have won if it was IG rocking up into that final set of TL if Mad Lions win if they win over um, if they win over Damwon and if they win over RNG I think this That'll is be nuts. The, this is like probably the biggest international achievement for you. This replaces previous MSI, I would say. This would be, that would be nuts. That would be nuts. Actually crazy. Yeah. And the Elioia story continues. Anyway, that's going to do it for us here. Uh, this has been Euphoria, the MSI coverage, episode three. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I think that we will be back in the future just to close out our coverage to recap everything that happened at MSI maybe have a bit of fun maybe talk a little bit about summer upcoming a little bit more Ooh, about the roster, roster rumors, rumors. yeah Kedro already talked about them a little bit so we'll uh, we'll keep you guys informed as to all of the actually crazy shit that is happening in the off season so between LEC and MSI we hope you guys are hyped and we'll see you in the future